Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to High Cheer Diet Podcast. Today we have a special guest. His name is Mark Altini, who is he's a high performer data scientist working on a variety of health tech innovations and all around really interesting guy. So he has brought uh, first of its kind mobile apps, track heart rate variability using just your mobile phone and its camera. We are going to cover really interesting topics in our conversation. We will go through what the heart rate variability is, how it can help you to reduce your daily mental and physical stress, how to improve your health and longevity using it, and why data is important in everyday life. So without further ado, here's Marco Altini and heart rate variability tracking. Hey Marco, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's jump right into nitty gritty stuff. A um, couple of months ago, I went to a biohacking summit here in London, and that was one of the most kind of famous things. And and you know, it was on everyone's lips. Everybody were talking about it, presenting it as a startup ideas and things like that. Everything was HRV, which is you know kind of a, a new hype. How did you get involved in that? How did you actually got hands-on on HRV tracking and building uh, software for that? So um, I started tracking actually probably when I started developing tools to do so. So I spent uh, a few years during my PhD working with uh, wearable sensors and physiological data. It was all in the context of physical activity monitoring. So um, let's say a couple of years ago, uh, I was working at IMEC, which was an R&D. It is an R&D institute um, where we had like prototypes for ECG monitoring or EEG or sort of sensors like before we had all these wearables on the market. And we were, um, let's say, doing research both on developing technology like to create these sensors, but also on the data and algorithms. So in particular, I was running experiments with indirect calorimeters to estimate energy expenditure and cardiovascular fitness. So the main point in my research there was that with wearable sensors and other gadgets you have on the market, you typically quantify what your activity level is. For example, your energy expenditure in terms of calories or even just the steps you take. And I wanted to take these aspects one step forward and work on models that could also provide more information on uh, how physical activity is changing basically your health status. So in that case, cardiovascular fitness was my proxy to health as it is, you know, a very good marker of overall health. So as I was working with this uh, data and models for uh, for quite some time uh, during my PhD, more on the, you know, data analysis and machine learning aspects. And I did have a background in uh, computer science engineering where I did my bachelor and master's. Then I started working on apps as well so that I could try, you know, to bring part of what I was doing basically to anyone with an iPhone because before I was doing all this research and these models using data coming from prototypes and it could only be limited to experiments that you run in the lab. With the, with the, with the early iPhones, 4S, I think, was the first one that could actually connect to uh, Bluetooth low energy sensors. And then you could start getting this physiological data on a phone and start processing that with an app. And that's, I would say, when I started more or less getting also into HRV, we always work with physiological data. And then HRV is one of the parameters you always look at uh, in an ECG as it's a very good uh, marker also of overall health and, you know, uh, autonomous nervous system activity. 
And I guess that's a bit how I started with uh, putting together tools uh, for, for HRV analysis. Mm-hmm. And, and as you extract all that data, how do you apply it to personal life? You surely had some intrinsic motivation to, you know, go there and produce a tool to collect the data. Yes. So <laughs> so where, where is that useful bit? Like, you know, why, why would anyone just jump in and, and track their HRV? Part of it maybe was driven by training and the interest of, you know, trying to understand how training impacts your physiology. Now, and the tool is more refined and it's all about training and, and performance but when I started it was maybe more the, the curiosity you know trying to get more aware uh, about how the different things and stressors you experience affect your physiology and your body it was also a lot about just making the tools I think like you know sometimes you have a bit more driven by created something that others can use more than using it yourself, I must say, especially in the beginning. So as HRV, you know, measures uh, physiological stress and it captures both physical stress, you know, the one due, let's say, to intense workouts, but also psychological stress due to um, stressful lifestyle and, you know, deadlines and work and everything else you do, even just uh, traveling and so on, you know, poor sleep. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say if I have those metrics on physical stress and you know and emotional stress, how could I fix it? Is there a scale or something that anyone can just apply and then you know improve their lifestyles, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's not that easy. <laughs> so, what you can do is what is very important is always to look at you know the data with respect to your historical data. So, how things change in yourself and uh, how your HRV trends change over time with respect to other factors and things you're experiencing and stressors and so on. And that's how you start, you know, understanding what what has a bigger impact and where you can make um, adjustments that eventually would lead to, you know, even if not improved performance because you're not an athlete or you don't care about that, still it would be towards, you know, well-being. So improving that for sure. Listeners who, you know, are totally new to this, how I use it, for example, since I have maybe... 10 workouts a week I run and spend maybe five hours out there just you know pure running and when strength training and when coaching people as well for obstacle races and endurance events I literally get knackered to a point where you know I, I just don't know if I overtrained or is just uh, you know mm-hmm. mental fatigue I used a couple of your apps and and what it gives it it basically it's like a red light it's like an like a really easy indicator how I do it I just put it to the basics and it basically tells me that okay Okay, the you overtrained, you know, you shouldn't train today and take mm-hmm. it easy. For example, if I'm mentally stressed, it would be affected as well. Yeah, so the way we interpret the data for you, for example, in HRV for training, which is the, the app where we, let's say, we put more, most effort providing a lot of analysis and interpretation to make things simple to understand, because some of the other apps we made are uh, really more um, like research tools, like mm-hmm. you can do what you want with them, but they don't provide that interpretation why an HRV for training is, is easier to use as we, we capture HRV, physiological stress. And then we look at what's your historical data. We look at your daily score and your daily score might, might be lower on a given day because your body is particularly stressed. And it could be that indeed it's um, psychological stressors, maybe mainly due to, as we still try to measure, you know, uh, or suggest to measure early morning uh, when you're not affected by uh, many other stressors. So, so that the idea is that, you know, you're in conditions similar to what we would do in a clinical study in the lab. Um, so in that condition still, of course, you will be affected by psychological stress if there is some 
chronic stress that is going on and it's been you know uh, going on for days or weeks mm-hmm. and that um, always has an impact on your physiology so I think that's also why it's a nice metric to measure because it gives you know an overall score of the level of physiological stress on your body and then you can try to understand based on you know how things are changing over time if that's getting a bit of a problem and try to make changes that would bring it back up. Just uh, for those skeptics out there, for example, your app is, I think, first on the market, right? Which is actually tracking your HRV through just camera lens. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so how accurate is that? I mean, like <laughs> you, you surely get the question like... Yeah, definitely. So the the camera is as accurate as an ECG or a Porachastra. And uh, you don't have to take my word for this. So we did many validations. We ran clinical studies, uh, with some sports scientists recently in New Zealand uh, with a group led by Paul Larsen, which is uh, one of our main experts being, doing all the work with elite athletes and HRV. So we started collaborating with Paul uh, and his team and he ran this validation on the camera-based algorithms where basically we had about 30 people doing uh, different activities like sitting and standing and post-exercise with paced breathing, without paced breathing, using the camera. Um, and the chest trap and ECG. So we have pretty good results there. The methods uh, agree very well. And then we are about to write a paper that hopefully will be published uh, soon. I mean, these guys now are busy at the Olympics because they coach some elite rowers from New Zealand. But then afterwards, we should be able to get this out. We do have data already published on the blog, so where we show comparison with um, a polar chest trap, you know, slowly. Uh, it's getting easier to show that the methods are actually equivalent and you don't need to use a chest strap. Of course, you need to get used you know, to using the camera measurement, which is a bit of a new way of doing this measurement. So we have uh, some good algorithms that can also tell you if your measurement was accurate or not, because we can try to check if there were outliers or noise in the data. Typically, after one or two measurements, everyone gets used to doing this properly, and then you can get data very easily without having to use the chest trap in the morning. That actually reminds me of my past, because I started tracking my HRV a few months ago, because I was excited about it, and I used the chest trap myself, and that was such a bad yeah. like habit, which I couldn't never like, get on, because it's just listeners can just imagine waking up early in the morning you know at 6 a.m and just putting the heart rate strap if you have one first of all and then just yeah, especially also because you have, uh, sorry you have to get it like um humid right because normally these sensors are made in a way let's say that there are no problem when you go running because you sweat but yeah. otherwise uh, you know most people maybe if their skin is a bit dry and everything uh, in the morning, you also need to get it wet, and then it's also cold, and you need to first go to the bathroom, then yeah. come back, and then lie down, and then measure. And it's like it's it seems nothing, but it's a pain. Like especially for these things where compliance is typically a problem. Even for teams we work with, then you see that it gets really very very easy this way. Can you talk a little bit about your current work at Bloom Technologies? Because I know that you are actually, you know, tracking other metrics to improve lives. Yeah. What, what is that about? Bloom is a startup uh, where we use wearable technology during pregnancy. We use sensors which measure uh, biopotentials, let's say, similar to, to, to sensors that will measure an ECG, which can also be used to measure EMG or muscular activity. During pregnancy, we can use it to measure 
uh, uterine activity, uh, so contractions, and this is called EHG, which is uh, electrohysterography. Uh, but yeah, it's basically EMG, muscular activity of the uterus. And what we do is to do research also on the relation between uh, physiological changes during pregnancy, so changes in uterine activity, but also again in heart rate, in heart rate variability. Like there are some uh, some known and some less known patterns uh, arising over time. For example, you know, as the baby grows, uh, the fetus grows, uh, and you have to provide blood, and then heart rate increases naturally naturally over time during pregnancy. So when we track these variables longitudinally we do that with the goal to try to understand how they are linked to pregnancy outcomes or for example to predict or detect labor you know when it's the right time to go to the hospital and then also we do some research uh, related to complications so how these physiological signals change over time for regular pregnancies for pregnancies where we have i don't know preterm birth or gestational hypertension so we try to look at this parameter uh, at least these parameters from a consumer perspective so Instead of, the idea is always instead of trying to run uh, small clinical studies, as there is so many different variables to look at, we are taking a consumer approach where we have this sensor that we are right now renting um, on the market. It's a bit our beta release, let's say. And we hope, you know, to crowdsource clinical uh, studies by doing uh, data collection this way and, you know, tracking all the relevant parameters and trying to understand a bit more about a space where there isn't really been much innovation in the past uh, 50 years or more yeah. even. Yeah, it's fascinating. The digital health is is evolving every single day and, you know, the more quantified we can get out there, the better the lifestyles are going to get. Um, yeah, I think some, some interesting opportunities too when we have tools that are clinical grade or at least clinically validated, even just HIV for training or these apps for HIV that are, as a matter of fact, as good as, you know, the older laboratory protocols and tests that that are done with full ECGs. If you start collecting that data on, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people, then you can start to understand much better also how these variables relate to training as well as to, you know, other physiological stressors. We published actually a paper, our first paper with HRV for training uh, just a couple of months ago that I will be presenting in two weeks. So there we had uh, data from 700 users. It was maybe sometime last year that we collected this data up to five Five months of data per person so it's you know you can imagine typically HRV studies you have I don't know 10-15 people measured twice in the lab so you get so much more data mm-hmm. and then we started analyzing you know how HRV changed on a day-to-day basis with respect to training so you know in the app after the measurement you basically have some tags which is just uh, to provide context so you say you know how did you sleep uh, did you train yesterday how intense was your training so we could relate training intensity to HRV and we could show that consistently after intense training you have uh, reduced HRV slightly increased heart Rate. So you showed that basically even in, you know, unconstrained free living settings, there is the opportunity to capture uh, recovery and training load just by using an app. So it gets more interesting and you can start stratifying, you know, by mm-hmm. gender, by age, see how all other variables impact these uh, relations. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing how overtrained people are these days, you know, you usually notice that you're overtrained when it's way too late, when you feel fatigued <laughs> yeah. and, and just cannot do anymore.
Do you have any kind of ways where you could improve your HRV without resting, for example? You know, I heard of uh, meditation, progressive relaxation, mindfulness and things like that. I would say I don't use any. I am, uh, let's say, more curious about the meditation effect, something maybe I will pick up. So I, I read, of course, much of the literature around this, which is extremely interesting. Let's say we have a positive acute effect when, you know, there is meditation or other practices that aim at increasing HIV, which means that in the very short term, your HIV would increase, or maybe it would increase while you do the activity, right? What is interesting is uh, how can you actually change this less chronically, like your baseline HIV, right? Because if it's an acute effect that is gone after, you know, half an hour, then I don't think that is actually making a difference in, you know, your baseline physiological stress. But mm-hmm. there are less studies where they actually try to do, you know, more sustained practices like meditating uh, 30 minutes to an hour per day for months, and then they see some more consistent changes. So I think that that's very interesting, you know, area of research to see what's the right dose, right? Uh, how many times and for how long, and uh, can you sh- can you actually change your chronic HRV baseline and see if you you can bring that up? Because I've tracked for uh, since I made the app, so that was probably three four years ago. And what I see is you know typical cycles that reflect very well periods of higher or lower stress and training load. But overall, like in my own data, I didn't see changes. For example, even just. Uh, if we talk about sports and fitness, some studies claim that, you know, HRV is also related to your fitness level and it should increase over time if you get more fit. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's a great tool in the short term feedback loop. You know, you train, you see the impact, you optimize your training, you make some adjustments and then, you know, you uh, overall you will increase your fitness faster and risking less to get overtrained, but I think other metrics maybe are more representative of your overall fitness level, even just your heart rate at rest, because that's motivated by, you know, simply the physiological changes that occur, the fact that your heart gets stronger and your heart rate uh, gets lower. But for long-term changes in HRV over periods of months or years, I think we are still at the beginning uh, of this kind of research, especially because now we have the tools to track these things, right? Because before... If you had to go to the lab and do the measurements once before the study and once at the end of the study, I don't think that's particularly meaningful in what was actually changing as physiology is affected by so many parameters. But as we can track easily daily at home, I think we can try to find out a bit more and better what are the relations between all these practices and, you know, baseline HRV and if you can actually somehow optimize it. Back in that biohacking summit, I had an experience of casually gaming, meaning that playing video game, which would indicate, you know, the breathing pattern I should take in. So just like mm-hmm. your app, it has a breathe in and breathe out, breathe out scale and goes yeah. up and down and it basically tells you when you should be breathing in, breathing out and controls your breathing. And that would actually improve my uh, uh, RM SSD. Co- correct me if I'm wrong. That's the kind of a main metric yeah, in, in HRV. Yeah. Yeah. And it would improve by almost 20 points. I just saw a study which was recently published from East Carolina University about the single player games like Bejeweled and you know all the mobile ones which almost everyone is playing these days and that study stated that you know it not only improved the heart rate variability but also reduced depression and and other stress measures so that's kind of yeah. interesting 
I think even these examples, they, they, they are definitely having an impact, I think, on your physiology, which can be positive, especially, uh, you know, deep breathing. But again, yeah, then the, the, the interesting question, I think, is does that impact your baseline? Is that just short-term acute improvement that is not sustained, which can still be beneficial, probably, also for other metrics, as you were saying, if they, you know, have questionnaires or other things related to depression and anxiety. And, you know, you can see improvements. That's great. Uh, but I don't know if there is an actual improvement at the physiological level. Initially, those games were used for soldiers um, in kind of wartime scenarios, you know, to control their stress levels in like a really uh-huh. critical situations. And But the soldiers would spend literally hours training their HRV through games. Probably that's why, you know, it improved. Yeah. Do you have any habits which you attribute your success to? Maybe consistency. <laughs> You're nothing special, I would say. Yeah. What, what about your nutrition? How does that look like? Do you have any specific kind of, you know, dietary choices you do or, you know, because everyone has some kind of tweak which they just contribute to their high performance to? Yeah, true. Um, in my case, I would say nothing specific, just, you know, trying to keep it balanced. Yeah, I, I mean, I did my share of reading on, you know, performance nutrition, and so I haven't made drastic changes. I am intrigued, of course, by some of the things I'm reading these days um, on low-carb diets and so, but mine is still mainly carbs-based, I would say. Like, sports-wise, I do. I, I run and, and cycle and, so you know, optimizing for that with a standard diet it's just vegetables fruit and trying keep to keep things healthy but without any specific diet i would say mm-hmm. what other things do you track i mean hrv is kind of daily thing right uh, so i track obviously with the app that, that i made for for the baseline hrv and heart rate in the morning i workouts probably is the the one i really care about the most so i got a garmin watch recently which has some interesting features now they partnered with first beat which is also a company working on uh, hrv but not only hrv so they did much research also on vo2 max estimation some of the interesting features they have there i don't know maybe i'm a bit biased because it's part of things i worked on you know just during my phd as well but apart from the fitness estimates they have one where they tell you basically how your workout is going to be once you are five ten minutes in based on how your physiology is responding and what's your historical data i would assume and that i find it that it works you know strikingly well in detecting like you know in predicting how my workout is going to be because of course if your heart rate is a bit higher than normal at the same intensity your body is tired so that's good indications sleep i guess something i've been more interested in tracking recently even though i tried different devices i was not really happy with many of them yeah i guess i, I need you know some some clear goal if i do the tracking and it has to be easy and you know it's getting very easy like you know i can measure hrv with the camera and you know for sleep you don't need to do anything sensors do it by themselves so it's getting quite easy to get meaningful data cool uh so before we part the ways and and just you know wrap this up a last and kind of fun question what would you take to an inhabited island if you could just take (laughs) free items so I'm definitely not basic survival kind of guy, <laughs> so this would not last long. I'm gonna go for uh, running shoes and a book for my mental health, a knife just in case I really want to give this a shot at surviving. <laughs> Otherwise, that's it. Yeah, and and which book? I was reading some uh, uh, books from Taleb. I don't know if you know him. It's uh, one of them is uh, the Black Swan, and the other one is uh, Full by Randomness. 
Mm-hmm. So interesting books for uh, for people working with data and um, around you know machine learning and predicting things. But it's, it's not it's not a book about machine learning. It's a book about randomness in general, more like from a philosophical point of view. Yeah. Uh, where it you know it shows you know, like how biased we are, perception of what we can predict and how actually random the world is. It's a it's a good one that I would recommend. Nice. Okay. Thanks a lot, Marco. This has been a blast. At least for me, HRE tracking, it's it's a green or red light. When I woke up in the morning and I just track it, it just tells me, you know, if I'm overtrained, if I should just rest or if I should work out. Mm-hmm. So I always add that flexibility in my life. So thanks a lot okay. for coming in, mate. Thank you for inviting me. And lastly, how can people get in touch with you? Twitter, TPLK, I reply fast to everyone. Uh, my handle is Marco underscore alt so alt otherwise just through my website that's probably linked there also via email which is my website is marcoaltini.com mm-hmm. and most of the work i do with hrv for training is also on hrv for training.com nice i'll add that to your show notes thanks again Perfect. thank you